Welcome to Always Andersonville, the podcast. I'm Joelle. And I'm Kaylee. Today we are joined by Stephanie Sinnott, owner of Sandbox Baby Boutique, opening soon at 5349 North Clark. Stephanie is a Chicago native and has lived in the Andersonville area for six years. She hopes that Sandbox will be a hub for parents, parents-to-be, and anyone with a child in their life by offering a number of different sustainable products and clothing lines. We are very excited to welcome her to the neighborhood. Welcome, Stephanie. How are you today? I am excellent. Thank you. Love to hear it. Uh, Why don't we start by you telling us a little bit about yourself? So I am a longtime Chicago resident. I grew up in the Western suburbs and then I moved to New York and I lived in New York for most of my 20s. Um, I'm aging myself, so we'll just say that much. And it was amazing. And then I moved to Australia for a year, um, which was incredible and something that I certainly could not do in this day and age. Um, And then moved back to Chicago and I've been back in Chicago for about six years. I've worked in the fitness industry my entire career. Um, mostly in operations and management, and then also sales as well. And I just, when I got pregnant, I stopped working to uh, give birth to my son and to be a stay-at-home mom for a little while and kind of figure out my next path. And here we are, a whole pandemic later. And we understand you've been an Andersonville resident for the past six years. So are you saying you moved back to Chicago and have been in Andersonville ever since? I did. I actually, when I moved back from Australia, I moved to Argyle and lived um, over in like little Asia for a little while. And then I moved a little bit further North, but I've been kind of within like a five block radius ever since. And now I live on Ashland and I've been here for four years. Um, and I love it. I'm walking distance to Clark and everything that is important about this neighborhood is like literally on my doorstep. It's amazing. Can you tell us a little bit about what Australia was like? I'm just curious. Of course. Um, it was incredible. It was a once in a lifetime experience. I traveled for six months, um, at the beginning and then at the end. So I traveled, started up in Cairns, which is like the very North near the great barrier reef, and then traveled all the way down the coast and stopped in big towns, small towns, you know, ran out of money a couple of times as you do. Um, and then ended up living in Melbourne and lived in Melbourne for, I think it was about eight months and I actually worked at an ice rink uh, of all places and then traveled again at the end in all through Southeast Asia. So went through, um, you know, Vietnam and Cambodia and Malaysia, all of those places. It was an incredible experience. It was also um, something that I certainly could not do now as a more mature woman, because I think it just takes it just takes a lot of fortitude to go to like do that um, kind of nonstop. That was incredible. And it gave me so much perspective um, about just how privileged we are in ways that we don't really understand. Just, you know, we have great roads in America and people don't drive with their horns in the way that they do in Malaysia, for example. So it's, it's a pretty eye-opening experience. And I think that's probably why when I moved back here to Chicago, I moved immediately to Argyle Street and was like, I need to be surrounded by pho because I, I couldn't get enough of those flavors and still can't. So it was incredible. 11 out of 10, highly recommend. So would you say you're a foodie then? Oh man, are we still using that terminology these days? Um, I mean, I feel like that has gone the way of hipster, but like, I would say, yes, I'm, I am definitely a food aficionado. I think that's also why Andersonville is so great because there's so much really, really good food. Like we're at the Middle Eastern market once a week, picking up stuff. And I would say I have a very adventurous palate. It's rare that I 
won't eat something. Um, I definitely ate a lot of stuff when I was traveling in Southeast Asia that I would never find on a menu here in America. And like, that was the whole point was just, let's eat this strange thing. And it was great. Yeah. So I would say maybe I am a foodie. Oh, cringe. <laughs> I had to throw that in there. No, it's, it's fair. It's fair. <laughs> Stephanie, as I'm sure, you know, as a resident here in Andersonville, we've been without a dedicated children's store or children's boutique for quite a long time. I know it actually, um, I've been at the chamber five years and I believe green jeans is what everyone used to talk about South of yeah. Foster. And they had been closed, I, I think, several months before I even started. So it's been well over five or six years at this point. So tell us about Sandbox. Where did you come up with the concept? Going to be super um, excited in the background. Good, good, yes. My number one customer. Um, so, yeah, like you said, it's, it's filling an obvious need in the community. I felt, you know, there's so many children. This is an area just rich with families. Um, and yet anytime I needed something for my son, I had to go to Target or order something online or kind of pre-pandemic would have to make it into a special trip to drive to a different neighborhood. And it just didn't make a lot of sense. And my boyfriend and I were literally walking down the street one day and I was like, why don't I open something? Is this, is this a wild idea? And then like, you know, I kind of put it to bed and then I woke up the next morning. I was like, I kind of think I want to do this. And then I was like, no, 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 this is, this is why I can't, I'm not going to open up a store. Wait, who do I think I am? And then a week later I was like, I'm still thinking about this. I think I'm the person that's going to open a store. And I, I think part of it is, you know, there's an obvious need for something children related, um, clothing, accessories for babies and for young kids. But I also think that there's a real lack of like a community space for moms. Um, when I became a mother, you know, maybe you've got a couple of friends here and there who are also moms with kids the same age, which is really great. But otherwise, like resources are almost kind of hard to come by. And it can be such a lonely time when you have a really small baby. And I just want a place where if you need a referral to a lactation consultant, you don't know how to get one. Or if you need stroller recommendations, because I have sadly gone through several strollers, um, you know, you can go to somebody and actually have a conversation. It can be not only a place where there's beautiful clothing, but a real community hub for moms, moms-to-be, parents, anyone with a child in their life that just maybe needs some more resources that aren't immediately at their fingertips and they don't want to have to just go to the internet all the time because that can be kind of a, a cold feeling as well. So that was the idea behind Sandbox. I'm really excited about it. I think that it's going to be a lot of fun, potentially even more so now that spring is around the corner and hopefully we're turning a corner with the pandemic as well and people will be itching for something to do. Yeah, and I've definitely seen that even going to work in Andersonville this last weekend. So many people were out and about, and it was really cool to see. It it almost felt normal. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> I know. It was amazing. The sidewalks were so crowded, and I was like, oh, my people, so many people. <laughs> I, I'm not used to it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, and I mean, you kind of touched on this, but what can people expect to see in your store this spring? Um, so the clothes and the lines that I carry are, they're beautiful, but they're also really functional. So I have specifically picked lines that are not too precious. These are kids clothes, but they're, you know, they're, they're meant to get dirty and you can put them in the washing machine. They don't have a thousand snaps on them. You know, I'm, I'm a big fan of big zipper. Um, I just, I think it's important that we find that kind of middle ground. And I think for so often as parents, we've kind of been shoehorned into like these two major categories of children's clothing, either 
kind of big box retailers, which is a very flat, uninteresting landscape or really high end specialty, which is like not the stuff you're going to put your kid in every single day because heaven forbid they spill on it because they're a child. And then you're, you know, you're out this giant sum of money. So Sandbox is really that middle ground um, of really beautiful, but durable, timeless stuff that, you know, is, is fun, but isn't, isn't too sweet, isn't too precious. Um, and every vendor that I have picked is either female or black or, you know, person of color owned, which is really great. And so, so important because there are retailers in this space that we can elevate and we just don't know as parents how to find them. And do you have like certain products in particular that you're just really jazzed about to introduce the community to? Um, I can't pick a favorite child, um, but I will say my, my son wears something from every single vendor that I carry. So, you know, it really is, it's soup to nuts that I'll be carrying. Um, I've really stayed away from anything too accessory that, you know, is just going to get lost. Um, and then anything that's going to be kind of a one and done isn't really for me. I, I want something that has longevity. Um, so no, I, I can't pick a favorite. That would be unfair to all the other favorites. So from how you're explaining everything, you've definitely put a lot of thought into what you want to carry, what you want to represent. How have you made your business unique compared to other stores in the area? In your opinion, is, is that how? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a major differentiator is I think as consumers, we've become so much more conscientious about how we spend in the past couple of years. You know, we understand the value of our money, not just as far as what we can get for it, but who is, is benefiting from it. Um, and I think we really are interested in being conscious about that. And so that is what differentiates Sandbox is parents don't have the time or the inclination to sift through all these vendors and figure out, you know, who's maybe going to align with some of the ethics that I already have. We don't have the time for that as parents. I totally understand that. So I can be that conduit. Um, I've done the, in, the research. I have the product knowledge. And so I'm bringing to you an array of clothes that are going to look like exactly what you would hope to find in an upscale baby boutique, but they maybe just so happen to align with ethics that you already have for how you spend your money. Um, and that's really what the differentiator is. It doesn't feel any different than any clothing store when you walk into it, but things are much more um, tailored to kind of like the current climate and how I know I personally pr prefer to spend my money um, and how I think a lot of Andersonville and hopefully Chicago at large likes to spend as well, just a little more conscientiously. I'm curious if you can tell us a little bit about how the build out's going inside. I know everyone's walking by getting really excited <laughs> about the sign. Um, I know we mentioned in the intro, but this is located at 5349 North Park, which is right by Chrysler's pet store there, just south of Balmoral. Well, I am thrilled that you asked now because the build out is completely done. And it is, I like to think it's really beautiful and stunning inside. It is a really open space. Um, I kept that as open as possible because when you have a stroller you cannot be trying to wheel it between narrow aisles or around things it's also a very kid-friendly space and there's actually a dedicated little play space for children which, awesome <laughs> <that's so exciting. laughs> yeah which I'm, I'm really excited about you know like I mentioned I do have a two and a half year old son and taking him into a store can be kind of kind of a harrowing experience for everybody and so I wanted it to be a space where you know, if your child needs to get down from their stroller, everything is safe. There's nothing they can't touch. And there's even a little dedicated space for them to spend time so that 
you can figure out, you know, what do you want to buy while they are actually occupied doing something else. Um, so the build out, it's great. We're working on a big mural on the inside right now, which would be really kind of fun. And I'm hoping to take the paper down in like a week and then everyone can peek inside and, and actually get a glimpse of what it's going to look like. That's awesome. I know we're going to hopefully talk to you offline here a little bit more about a grand opening ribbon cutting yes. ceremony, which is yeah. uh, something that we at the chamber really like to do to celebrate new businesses. So I know I'm particularly looking forward to this one, especially. And yeah, I mean, that's so exciting. I know it's it must be sort of so interesting and fascinating to have a blank canvas of sorts mm-hmm. and be able to bring something up from from nothing into just what you've been imagining all this time. How long yeah. would you say the process has taken just from conception of this idea to whenever you're ready to open here in a couple of weeks? Well, candidly, certainly the pandemic threw a wrench into things. So I had this idea and I saw this space was available. That space had actually been vacant for about six months before I approached the landlord about it. I had this idea in, I'm going to say around Thanksgiving of 2019. And I kind of sat on it for a little while. And then I went in and I pitched my idea to the landlord in January. And a couple of weeks later, I signed the lease after a bunch of back and forth. It was very exciting. And then the city shut down. And I had some trepidation (laughs) about how to move forward on this enormous lease I had just signed for a retail space that was an empty box. Um, And happily, I was able to kind of pump the brakes for a little while while things kind of cratered as we know and then I started the build out kind of towards autumn of last year and then in the past couple of weeks everything's really just fallen into place and I've been able to say okay you know March 27th is the date that I'm actually going to be opening the doors and I've been building everything backwards from there so it has been a long road I think it has been an extra long road due to the pandemic but I'm certainly not alone in that boat um I've been lucky enough to work with a landlord that's really worked with me on all of this stuff. Nothing has been a hardship for me. Um, The architect that I worked with was really great as well. Everyone has been, I think, really pitching in to help small businesses succeed during this time and and not create additional barriers. So for as long as as a road as this has been, it hasn't been as terrible as it might have been. And really cool that you even attempted to start a small business despite everything that was going on. Um, if you could say one of the most important things you've learned while making your dream become a reality, what would it be? Or, Ask- or top three, I'm sure you've learned a lot. Or <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and still, still absolutely learning because I think every single day I learn one new thing and have that four other things that I need to learn in order to make that one thing happen. Um, I think the biggest thing is to ask questions of people. Um, people want to help you really at the end of the day. And when you ask questions, you're going to get answers. And maybe it's not the answer you thought you were going to get, which is great. It's an opportunity to learn something. So I ask a lot of questions of everybody all the time, because I guess I don't really worry about not looking like I don't know what I'm doing. The worst thing is that I don't know something. And then, you know, suddenly I have to backpedal and figure it out. So ask a lot of questions. People want to help. They want to answer. And the other thing is say no, if something doesn't feel right. I think it's really okay to say no and something that we often forget is that no is a complete sentence. You don't actually have to justify it to anybody. You can just say, no, that's not going to work. And that's okay. And that has removed maybe a burden from you because it isn't in alignment with the values that you hold for the business that you see coming to fruition. And I've certainly said no a decent number of times because you kind of only get one chance to do this the first time. And it doesn't make sense if along the way you're making a bunch of compromises that 
aren't true to, to yourself or to your vision? So we like to do, uh, we kind of introduced this during COVID uh, over Zoom here to kind of get to know our guests a little bit more. Um, we do a series of rapid fire questions. So these are just supposed to be fun, like first couple things you think of. So we're going to dive right in if that's okay. Okay. Yes. All right. So the first question is, is what are some of your favorite restaurants in the Chicago area? In all of Chicago? Uh, well, you can start with maybe a couple <laughs> favorite general Chicago's and then do maybe a couple of Andersonville's. Okay. So I love, I mean, Girl on the Goat, um, everything she does is phenomenal. I love Duck, Duck, Goat. I went there for my birthday a couple of years ago and it was just, you know, an out of this world experience. Um, I also have a really soft spot for a bunch of the pho places that are over on Argyle. Um, I think Tank Noodle kind of gets all the press, but there's a couple other ones on there that I love. Um, I used to be a really big fan of Hop Leaf. However, I have not been in quite some time due to obvious reasons. Um, and locally in Andersonville, my boyfriend and I used to go to Jerry's all the time. And now we are big supporters of Faya. I think that food is just really outstanding. I love Big Jones. I've also celebrated a birthday at Big Jones, which is fun to now share a wall with them. Um, and then I also, I got to give it up for Fat Chris's Detroit style pizza is so good. And I think completely underrated. I had no idea what Detroit style pizza was. And now it is uh, a delight that everybody should enjoy at some point. Yeah, I was gonna say, I feel like that's the first um, shout out for Fat Chris's pizza and such we've had in a while. So that's so so good. It's so good. Everyone, everyone should get some. Yeah, and it's great because they're the local equivalent. I know everyone knows Jets, but you know, Jets is in Andersonville too, and, and we love them. But yeah, Fat Chris's Pizza and such is definitely a unique, unique yeah. pie. And that's funny. I've also celebrated a birthday at Big Jones, which is not maybe that weird since I work in the neighborhood, but it, this was pre Andersonville Chamber time. Um, so we share that in common, but that is really fun that you're going to get to visit there for lunch and perhaps yeah. grab a donut during the weekend with their cruda beignet pop-up which is super yeah. fun so this is another question for the free time that you have which i'm sure is minimal at this point how do you choose to spend it um at my home away from home cheetah gym <laughs> um i've been a member of cheetah for years and years back before I moved to New York, I was a member of Cheetah and I have been now and I am there more days than I care to admit, but yeah. Are you a fan of cardio, lifting, yoga? Like how, how do you work out? I lift weights. I am that girl that is in the weight room with the guys lifting weights. It's very therapeutic for me. It's something that I've done for years and years being in the fitness industry. And yeah, that's my, my home away from home. I'm a lifter too. I got you. Yes, girl. Makes me feel good. Yeah. Guess I need to try it. I'm definitely not. <laughs> just the kid. I just lift the kid and no, things well, for I the mean, kid. That's a lot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I understand. So obviously we've been talking about my kid, your kid. Um, so your little one is two and a half, you said, correct? Yes. Yeah. Um, and what has been your favorite thing so far about being a mom? I think having a child forces you to slow down kid time is slow time they're interested in the smallest littlest things and in a lot of respects that's so valuable um everything becomes really magical all over again you get to experience everything for the first time you know it's their first time with everything I 
put up some Easter decorations and my son was just like entranced. And because of course he hasn't really seen this before, it's all new. And I think it's so important to remember that in an age where we have so many distractions at our fingertips that some of the most precious time is when there are no distractions at all and you can just be really present. And I know it's hard to do and certainly a lot easier said than done, but being a parent has has really crystallized that and has given me the opportunity to step back from some of the things that, you know, were maybe providing unnecessary distractions. And I think the other thing is, you know, children, I don't think anyone makes you laugh as hard as your own kid does. They're so ridiculous, especially the older they get and the more words they acquire and the way that they start to put them together and the things that they do. It's incredible how much this tiny person who's only been around for, you know, two and a half years can make me laugh. And, you know, people that I've known for longer, not so much. No shade. It's so true, especially with what we've all gone through. I mean, I've seen more people complain about not having anything to do than they have, mm-hmm. like, making the most of it and embracing yeah. free time. Because we, we don't really get that here in America, especially. We're always yeah. working, always on the go. So, I mean, kind of moving into our next question. Uh, if you could give one piece of advice to new parents from your own experience, what would it be? Just one, ask for help. It is not, it doesn't mean that you have failed in any way. It's okay to ask for help. Things are really, really hard. And uh, all of the parenting books and blogs that you read, they, they can absolutely be helpful and they can be guideposts for you. But I think asking for help in the moment um, or allowing someone to help you, even if you don't ask is really, really valuable because when you become a parent, you're spread really, really thin and you don't get the opportunity to even take care of yourself in the way that you need to be taken care of. Um, and you know, obviously we can go on all day about the guilt that's associated with actually taking time for yourself, et cetera, et cetera. But I think accepting help is hard to do in America specifically, kind of to your point, Kaylee. Um, I think we have a hard time with that, but it's really, really useful. Um, and kind of like I mentioned before, people want to help you. Um, people are a lot nicer than I think we give them credit for. And if you give somebody an opportunity to be of use in some capacity, they often want to take that opportunity. Um, my downstairs neighbor had twins a couple of months ago, and I was, of course, baking food and and you know asking how I could help. And I was so stunned when her husband said, well, let us know if you need help with anything with your store. And I'm thinking, you got twins. What's happening? Absolutely not. But, you know, there, I think there's a real reciprocity involved. And as a parent, people want to help you just as much as you need the help. And it's okay to accept it. Thank you. Yeah, that's such a great advice. And I think especially as we all navigate, I mean, we're still not out of COVID, obviously. And it's just going to be so great to have you and Sandbox as a resource for people to just check in and, um, as you said, parenthood can be lonely sometimes. And it's just a great feeling to know, like, there are resources and they're local and um, really accessible. Um, So I know we touched on Australia um, and some of your travels around that particular point in your life. But do you have top three favorite travel destinations either that you've done or you hope to do in the future? Um, I've been very fortunate. I've traveled a lot. I actually studied abroad in Luxembourg um, when I was in college. And so I w- was able to travel to you know, Paris, Ireland, uh, Greece, Spain, 
all over France, Italy. Um, so I've had some incredible travel experiences. And I think at this point, uh, the, the more places you go, the more places you want to see. Um, and I would love to go to maybe Iceland, um, you know, some places that are really far afield and feel very different from some of the places that I've been. Um, I would really, really love to spend more time in the Netherlands. I spent about a week there and I think I kind of just kind of scratched the surface. I would love to go back. Um, so such a fascinating culture. And wow, well, there's where, where else do I want to go? Oh, the Dalmatian coast. I've heard the Dalmatian coast is supposed to be absolutely stunning. Croatia, that has been definitely on my my travel list for years and years and have yet to go. But those are those are probably the three that are most at the top of the list. But um, I could bend your ear for quite a bit longer about other places. <laughs> How about you, Kaylee? I'm just going to put you on the spot. Top travel destinations when we're able to roam free again. Oh, man. Um, places I've been. Hawaii, I think I left a part of my heart there. Maui is gorgeous. I love the islands. Um, I always thought I wanted to live in the city. I, I would say New York is at the top of the places I've been. There's just so much culture and mm -hmm. it's, it's amazing. I, I just, I can't experience, like explain the feeling of being there mm -hmm. and being in that concrete jungle or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> um, but my absolute dream and you lived my dream is backpacking through Europe. I would love mm -hmm. to go to Italy. Like, oh my gosh, I just want to be in Postiano <laughs> at the beach. Yeah. <laughs> it's, yeah, it would be amazing. How about you, Joelle? I was like, I know I'm not going to get out of this one. Our, you know, <laughs> similar experience. I studied abroad in college in London and then got to travel around a lot of different European countries as well. And then was lucky enough to go back for our honeymoon. Um, we actually did a Mediterranean cruise in um, Cinque Terre was yes. my favorite spot. And I was like, why did we not spend the whole time here? <laughs> so, so I really want to go back to um, Cinque Terre and check that out more. Cause I, I mean, we were really into that. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, we haven't done anywhere in Asia. I'd love to go to Japan. My dad was stationed in Japan for two years in Tokyo. So I've just always heard so much about it and I'd love to go. I know it's changed a lot since he's been there, but then Australia and New Zealand are definitely on my list too. So, um, it's hard. We'll see. Yeah. We'll see what we can do, uh, as our family grows here and as yeah. things start to open up. So. All right, so say COVID-19 suddenly stopped existing and normal life resumed, what would be the first thing you do? Go to a restaurant, <laughs> go to a restaurant. It would be really nice to take my son, especially now that he's old enough and to go eat a meal that somebody else has prepared that I don't have to clean up after. Um, yeah, I just would love to go to a restaurant. And I think kind of piggybacking on the, the traveling thing, I can't wait until we can all go somewhere together and not feel terrified at every turn. Um, I can't wait to go to like a national park and, you know, maybe go camping, something like that. But I can't wait to eat in a restaurant. Well, awesome. Um, so Stephanie, we're so excited. I know you dropped March 27th as the date. So hopefully mm -hmm. we're all going to mark that in our calendars. That's a couple weeks from when this airs. Uh, what are the best ways for people to connect with you right now as they're getting ready for this shop to open? Where can they find you on social media? What's the best way to get in touch? So right now I am just on the Instagram at 
sandbox underscore baby underscore boutique. Um, for the time being, that's just the easiest thing as a uh, as a small business person kind of going it alone. Um, I will expand to some other channels in the near future, including Facebook, but right now just Instagram and then I'll have my phone number and everything that's up on the store door, store door. You know, I'm really, really excited about Sandbox. Um, I really appreciate the opportunity to talk to you guys about it as well. I think this spring has a lot of great stuff um, in store and I'm, I'm just really thrilled to be a part of it. Andersonville is such an incredible community and I can't wait to contribute in some capacity. Thank you, Stephanie, for joining us today. And thank you for listening to Always Andersonville, the podcast. For more information about Sandbox Baby Boutique, visit them on Instagram or in person once the shop opens on March 27th. Show notes on today's episode can be found at andersonville.org. Always Andersonville, the podcast, is produced by the Andersonville Chamber of Commerce and currently recorded via Zoom. We thank you for your listenership. And if you like the podcast, please subscribe and review us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcasting platform. We are also actively looking for podcast sponsors to sustain our production. Please email us at info at andersonville.org for more information. Thank you for your continued support, for staying active in our community, and for staying always Andersonville.